direct action gets the goods. It's a classic movement slogan, possibly originating in the labor movement. It refers to the idea that if we want real social change, we need to confront power in the system directly and often radically. And because the narrative we usually get sold about social movements is pacified, it therefore leaves out a lot of the direct confrontational moments that really were the catalyst to victory. But it's what's worked in the past and still plays a critical role today. Tracking more breaking news, we've been following this story all morning. Protesters scaling a large crane in Washington. This was all not far from the White House. Check out this video. You see it there. This thing is about 300 feet high. You see the climbers right there dropping that banner. It says resist. At least four people were on top of the crane at one point, dangling by ropes and all just to hang this. I want to bring you now back inside here at the 10 News Live Center. This video, we just got into the Live Center. It is a Facebook Live from one of those climbers dangling on that uh, dangling on that crane. This group, Greenpeace, is now claiming responsibility for this. They said they're just doing this for environmental. On this episode of San Francisco In Flux, we speak with the person who started that Facebook Live video while dangling off that crane, Nancy Pili Hernandez, Bay native and civil disobedience expert about why she believes in direct action how and when she's seen it work, and how the connection between art and resistance inspired her to celebrate her 40th revolution around the sun with a special art exhibit right here in the Mission. I'm Chidak Bhakta with Mission Housing. Welcome to San Francisco in Flux. We are here in the Mission Housing office on 16th and Valencia. With us today, as mentioned in the intro, is young legend, Bay native, Nancy Pili Hernandez. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, some quick housekeeping, a reminder, San Francisco Influx podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Podbean. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button. We would greatly appreciate it. Um, I just want to say for myself, Nancy, as an organizer, you know, I've definitely looked up to the work and grounding you've, you know, you've always brought to movement spaces to like protest spaces that we've been at. Um, like, honestly, like, you know, we, uh, you know, one thing that I, that, that I remember a lot is just, you know, really, really briefly is that when, when, when you and I and a bunch of other people were in front of city hall in front of the riot cops and when you were next to me and next to us, I'm not going to lie, I definitely feel a lot safer um so definitely shout out to you i got arrested (laughs) that was before before (laughs) um uh after after they 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 pulled you they pulled you in um you know i got a little shaky um so definitely you know thank you for being on the show um you know like honestly like you know a lot lot of future you know we'll talk about this more later but definitely future radical movements is definitely made possible by like folks like you putting your body on the line straight up so shout out to frisco five and then the frisco 500 that came to have their back when they were hospitalized um i think it was ridiculous for the city to uh kick us out of city hall and arrest us that evening i also think it was ridiculous for the following day for them to post a gandhi quote talking about uh about peaceful nonviolent protests. I thought that was hilarious. Have mercy. I didn't even know that. And happened. then ironically, they gave me an award the following 
two weeks later, they gave me an award for the resist banner. So I got to go up to the Board of Supervisors and accept my award for protesting two weeks after they had arrested me for protesting. <laughs> I had to say, you know, guys, this is funny that you celebrate me when I go on an international platform to say that things are messed up. But when I come to the local platform, you put the sheriffs on us. I think that that's ridiculous. They arrest you. Yeah. The same sheriffs who probably arrested you were right there in those chambers. Um, you know, before we get into this dope and amazing art exhibit that you're that 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 you're going to be unveiling to celebrate your 40th revolution around the sun over here at the Mission Cultural Center, I actually wanted to start off, um, if you don't mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself, some of your background, your roots, uh, your hella roots. Um, you know, maybe some of the things you've worked on. You know, you mentioned in the intro the resist banner that you put up. Um, yeah, you know, uh, introduce introduce us to to Nancy Peely. All right, so Uri, to all the risk listeners, I'm glad to hear that there are uh, independent folks making podcasts and not only depending on the mainstream media to tell the stories of the people. So props to you guys for holding this space. And um, my name is Nancy Pili Hernandez. I'm a Bay Area native. I've lived in Pittsburgh, in um, Bernal Heights, and in Oakland. I currently live in the Mission. And uh, I grew up uh, going to um, a lot of different places that are in flux right now. So this uh, podcast is fitting, and I'm proud that you guys are doing it. I um, was really lucky in high school to be a part of social justice movements that were active in organizing around Chicano studies in the high schools. And I was a part of walkouts around uh, Proposition 187 and around 209 and different initiatives that were trying to enforce white supremacy within the school system. And that uh, really awakened my consciousness to the power that people have in different forms. Um, And so because of that experience, I think I have... um, been able to take those lessons and continue with organizing and activism in uh, not only the public protest scenes, but the advocacy and the lobbying and the direct action and civil disobedience formats. Um, And so I feel like uh, this art show that's coming up is exciting for me because I feel like it's an opportunity for me to share some of the skills that I've gotten and some of the lessons I've learned and some of the amazing people I've come across um, with the public. So I'm really happy to be able to invite you guys to come and check it out. Excellent. Excellent. Um, You mentioned that you got some of uh, some of your early politicization high school, maybe even earlier. Um, I was hoping you kind of talk about like what, if there was a spark or if there was a gradual, you know, kind of a gradual building up. Because, you know, oftentimes a lot of people ask, like, you know, what was that moment? What was that thing that got you into this game and that got you into movement work for a lifetime? And I was wondering if, you know, if if you have a story like that or if there was a moment or a pivotal issue, you know, you mentioned 187, Prop 209, um, like some issue that kind of got roped you in and that kind of started you on this, like, lifetime of resistance um yeah i um i feel like i've told the story a bunch of times of the high school walkouts in the 90s um and i I think that's a really good one uh but i think for for this right now i think i'll share that uh around proposition 21 um i became not only aware that we as people have power when we are active in a force like a march or a sit-in i became aware that we can hold space for longer amounts of time and also that we can have direct impact immediately. So with Prop 21, I think we became a little more savvy uh, with um, how things were playing out on a political level, even though I was 20 and um, a bunch of the people who were leading this movement were locals here in San Francisco, Bernal Heights, Mission, Hill, um, uh, Bayview, Fillmore, 
uh, Excelsior folks that were all organizing against the proposition that intended to lock up more young people for smaller crimes for longer amounts of time. It was definitely a push for the prison industrial complex. Um, and a, a lot of the folks that were pushing back against it, uh, a lot of them were not even able to vote yet, but saw that as an opportunity to take uh, direct action and political action. And so in that campaign, I saw an evolution from just the rage against the machine, you know, we're angry and we're gonna take to the streets, to being very more, a lot more deliberate and, and looking at who were funding, who was funding this initiative? Who, who put the money behind Prop 21? Why would, why would PG&E, uh, you know, a, a huge public company, why would they put money into building youth jails? You know, why would the Hilton, which is this huge, you know, I can't even imagine how much money the Hilton has, but they're, you know, a private hotel company. Why would they be investing in an initiative in California that would increase jail sentencing for teenagers? Like, it, it, you know, so I think that uh, those questions be, began to be asked in that campaign in my life. And I saw um, young people step to the forefront of direct action and civil disobedience that, uh, you know, had young people arrested. And I had never seen teenagers take an arrest for a political action. But, um, but we saw that at the takeover of the Hilton Hotel. Um, and, you know, young people blocked the lobby and held in the lobby for hours until they were arrested and then there was uh, paddy wagons full of them taken away and then we all regrouped you know we hopped the BART turnstiles and got to the uh, mission station on 617th and Valencia and stood out there in the rain blocking traffic until they let every single kid out and I don't think I had seen anywhere uh, a force of young people that even when it started raining they didn't want to go home they were just like jumping up and down mm -hmm. the streets um, uh, holding space and advocating for the the freedom not only of those teenagers who had gotten arrested but the freedom of teenagers um, across California and I think right now with what we see with juvenile hall being shut down and the push against private prisons I attribute a lot of that to those young people who didn't stop you know they grew up and they got jobs working at organizations or they became lawyers or they're working on being judges and and uh, all of us have been pushing a Schools Not Jails platform in whatever whatever way we can, whether it's, their, you know, some people just became really good parents and have raised their kids to stay out of the prison industrial complex, or some of them uh, have become lawyers. And a lot of us have continuously pushed that line that young people deserve to be free, and it's not this state's job to uh, expand um, incarceration services that we really need to push for education and services for young people and I think that's led to a lifetime of us be hold, wanting to hold our uh, government agencies accountable for what they choose to do with our tax dollars definitely yeah that's that's an amazing story um, to hear about like n not just the tactics that were taken but the fact that there was a lot of strategy behind it the research behind it the stuff that quite frankly now some of us might take for granted um, when 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 people tell us on the op front on, on the on the offset right when usually a lot of folks we know a lot of folks had to like learn these processes of like how do we actually dig deeper and get to the root of the problems right and then, and then pass that knowledge down onto us like myself who's benefited from you know under you know from understanding that like surface level issues are only that right there's like the, the 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 real targets are underneath the soil the real targets are really the root of all these things and really you know connecting hotel groups and 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 and, and utility companies to a white supremacist policy um yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's huge, right? And like, I yeah, definitely appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I think um, we got to follow the money, you know, like, wait, it, it's, nothing is happening in isolation. 
every effort that's being pushed is being pushed by some agenda. And if we want to know what the agenda is, we have to follow the money. Definitely, definitely. Now, now speaking of a bunch of different efforts and a bunch of different agendas, um, there's an art show coming up that's going to be showcasing a lot of these, uh, you know, a lot of these campaigns, a lot of this resistance stuff. Um, you know, I'm definitely excited to hear more about it. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's, um, I don't want, I don't want to give too much away right now. I want to, I want to let you give the title and whatnot, but I, I mentioned it to my friend who used to work over at Mizrock down, um, at Dolores street with me. Um, shout out to diesel. She's a, she's a, she's a listener. Um, Diana, um, uh, who also, you know, definitely, you know, looks up to you just as much as I do. And she was hella hyped for it yesterday. I was with her in Oakland, um, just yesterday. And she was like, I can't wait to go. And she definitely wants to also, you know, definitely listen to the podcast, um, as well. And hopefully she wants to make it to this event you're having on your birthday, February 8th. Um, so what is this exhibit? When does it launch? Where can people find it? Well, shout out to all the Aquarians out there who are always trying to wrangle their friends into doing things. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> yeah, you guys are real hard to get uh, yeah. to do things. Um, <laughs> but I think Aquarians have a, a gift at either using, um, you know, finagling or maybe guilt or whatever it takes to coerce people to do things that they really wanted to do anyway. So I, I thought I would use this opportunity <laughs> of um, being given space at Mission Cultural Center to be able to convene. Uh, people who inspire me. I think winter time is hard for people. You know, uh, yesterday we had everybody, you know, mourning Kobe and his his daughter. Uh, I think this neighborhood has uh, mourned a lot of loss of homes. We've uh, had a ton of foreclosures. There's been a lot of violence on the streets. There's tons of things that we have to be upset about and sad about. And so I think wintertime gets really hard for people. So I was trying to figure out a way to pull people um, out and get them to convene and be in community. And um, I wanted to ask people who have inspired me throughout my life to contribute some of their visual work together. And uh, so I asked 40 people who've inspired me if they would all create some type of artwork um, that might inspire others. So I didn't tell them that it specifically has to be this image of this banner drop or this image of this protest, but people took um, some of the things that I've done and that we've done collectively and uh, tried to remix it into some sort of historical document that you know shows just the same way that we've always used murals as a way of telling history when the books don't write our stories. Uh, we're using this uh, collection of art as a way to document some of the things that we're seeing and some of the things that uh, help us to keep going. So I hope folks are interested in coming out to the Mission Cultural Center. The show will be up from February 8th through February 28th of this year. And um, the gallery space is open and we're hoping folks come and engage in uh, the space and we'll also be providing a, a series of workshops throughout the time that the exhibit is up. Dope. Um, before I say anything, I do want to shout out my partner is an Aquarian as well. She is a very proud Aquarian, so I want and and and, and I know she listens, so I want to give a shout yeah. out. Shout out to Seema, Aquarian. Her birthday is tomorrow. Actually, happy 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 early birthday. Um, we gotta uh, celebrate. So, you know, we gotta celebrate. We gotta celebrate every time yeah. we can. We have to celebrate. We're really good at mourning our losses. Yeah. I think we have to get better at claiming our wins. Yeah. Uh, what's the exhibit called? My homies are my heroes. My homies are my heroes. That's that that's 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 great. I mean, that's 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 perfect. Um, and where, 
Where is it going to be at? This will be in the gallery space on the second floor of Mission Cultural Center, which is located on Mission and 25th Street. So it's real close to 24th Street BART. Come through, check it out. Yes, if you are anywhere near a BART station, you have no excuse, right? Because this, this is literally half a block away, and, basically. Uh, I think it's also lining up with Paseo Artístico, so there will be events going on. The block will be cracking all day. I believe Mission Cultural Center will open at 10 a.m. for classes. There will be like samba classes, screen printing classes that will go on in the morning and throughout the afternoon so you can get a sampling of some of the amazing uh, cultural keepers that are holding space within that center. And then there's also stuff going on all up and down 24th Street uh, for the paseo. Nice. Um, so there's going to be 40 original pieces, so brand new original pieces. Uh, can can you maybe talk a little bit about uh, who the artists are, who have you reached out to, who your homies slash heroes she and sheroes are? I see on the uh, on the description it says heroes and sheroes and they rose. Um, yes. I, I don't know if that's accurate, but yes, trying to be trying to be definitely a whole bunch of very diverse people who have submitted artwork for this show. Um, there's uh, local folks like Joker and Bounce, whose graffiti handwriting styles we've all seen and loved for years. Um, there's uh, mission muralists like Josue Rojas and Lucia and Max, who've all painted with Presida eyes. And so if you've ever walked down the um, Balmy Alley or any of the seen any of the recent murals painted by Presida, especially the one that was just completed 24th on 24th and Cap, and Cap. At, at, a, at a mission housing yeah. site. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, she, it's yeah. a beautiful testament. And I know if you guys have seen that mural, you see that Amilcar Perez Lopez, who was killed by SFPD, is portrayed um, with uh, wearing a T-shirt uh, that was actually painted uh, on a wall on t Mission and 23rd for heck along by Juana Alicia, the one with the hands that are blocking the guns. It's an iconic image, mm -hmm. and it was painted over a few years ago while she had breast cancer. She wasn't able to touch it up. But Lucia is her daughter, wow. and her daughter actually remixed it and added that component of a historic mural that we all know and love onto this young man. And it makes so much sense because her mom had been painting about the Contras and how the U.S. intervention in Central America was leading to violence. And that was the same thing that brought Amilcar here, and that's why he was living on Folsom Street when he was killed by SFPD. So I think the, you know, the legacy of, of this mural game goes deep in this neighborhood and I want to honor uh, the OGs that passed on the skill set and some and I want to really show off some of the young people who I see picking it up so there's a couple teenagers who are just like 19 years old 20 years old um, that are putting in their photography a lot of them are super into film which I think is kind of cool because you know they I don't even know if they were old enough when film was uh, <laughs> well, actual out, you know, film, actual film, they're not into like film. not like video, no, not, not like, like digital. No, no, video. they're into, they're like, into like actual film, uh, developing their own film. Oh, you know, man. so um, maybe we should have them. this podcast on cassettes. I'm gonna talk to your producer. <laughs> Nobody has a cassette player anymore. <laughs> hey man, we go. We'll bring it back. We'll bring it back. I mean, they, they brought back those Polaroid cameras. We're gonna bring out cassette players with only our podcast. I think we have to evolve <laughs> and find out more ways to make uh, make art that's creative and free and and that doesn't create trash. You know, so I do like that this yes, podcast yes. is not. Um, an art form that creates garbage. Whereas, you know, I think when I went into SF State as an art education minor, a lot of the processes that they were teaching me to use in my art practice are toxic. You know, like, I mean, I was a screen printer for most of my life. I've been touching Plastisol, had my fingers in Plastisol for years. 
Um, and, and that stuff is really toxic. So I think that as I've gotten older, I've realized that, um, you know, in order for us to uh, tell our stories and in order for us to make our art, um, it, it's, an, it's a need, it's a necessity. Uh, but also I think we have to be aware of the impact that our lives have on this planet and the impact that our art process has too. So I like the digital stuff because I think it's cool to not create garbage and not have hella chemicals. Um, but I uh, have asked all these folks to do whatever it is that they're interested in doing. I've provided them with recycled materials to use. Um, so Dope. we're hoping that they will show off um, work that is both brush painted, um, some of it is aerosol and some of it is uh, painted with clay. Uh, some of it is um, photography and some of it is digital. Uh, some of it is video. And ideally, everybody will, you know, come through with whatever they've created and show it off and folks will get to know each other and uh, feel inspired by each other. And hopefully more things will grow out of that space and out of those connections. Wow. I'm excited. I'm definitely excited. And I also want to definitely uplift, you know, that, you know, the the story you mentioned about the mural um, on 24th and Cap and connecting with, you know, Amilcar and then Lucia, you know, also shout out, shout out to Lucia and Annalisa who are on the first episode of San Francisco in flux. Um, I hope they're, I hope they're still listening. Um, we'll, 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 we'll uh, let them know to look for their name on this show. Um, so, you know, like, like those kind of stories, like we're, we're not going to capture anywhere else. Right. Like really. So I definitely appreciate you bringing that up and then, and having this platform for us to now, you know, like now we have the story and we can put it out digitally. Um, we actually have a photographer who's going to be showcased at your art show. My homies are my heroes. We have Steph in house who just got who actually has the film. So I'm I'm looking at a uh, well, I'm, you know, you should probably you explain to Steph what that is. I don't know what it is. You explain what it is. It's an old school um, camera. And, you know, and, and yeah, yeah, and, 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 yeah. And, then, and then maybe a bit about some of your artwork. And then I don't know if you want to give a sneak peek about what might be happening or what might be your piece of art for for the show, for the exhibit. Um, but I'd love a, I'd love a few hints. So what we have here is um, a Yashika A, a camera made from like, I think it was made in like the 50s or 60s, um, which is a, it's pretty dope. You know, I've been doing film for a little bit now. And, you know, where you, I feel like. The film is very empowering just because it's something that was used back then for a lot of like movements and that's something that's still being used till this day. And a lot of people are still using film. That's why she said film is not dead. So um, it's been really, really, really dope. And for the show, I think just expect to see some empowering photos and stuff along that line. Yeah. Dope, nice. Have 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 you spoken with uh, with any other artists or photographers who are who are who are, who are going to be showcasing stuff there? Um, not at the moment, but I have spoke with another artist that I'm working with, and it's it's going to be it's going to be really cool. <laughs> I'm honored. Nice. Excellent. Yeah, we are we we are definitely hella excited uh, for the show. Obviously, you know, curated by legendary Nancy. Nancy out here um uh and then you know like you know I definitely you know want to want to shout out like you know the folks she's kind of picked out being a very big array of like you got like other legends in the game to a bunch of other up-and-coming legends and like future legends coming up showcasing you know local folks who are you know like you know we, we just got out you know art being like a lot of the driver and caviar and inspiration for so much for so much you know resistance and then the healing that needs to happen 
as well, you know, you know, and, and I'm, we're definitely excited to, you know, it's going to be stuff on ethnic studies, immigrant rights, police accountability, affordable housing, all that stuff is going to be touched on at this exhibit. Um, I want to transition over a bit into uh, art and resistance. It's, it's, it's really not much of a transition considering was, we've, we've been talking about it. Um, but I want to kind of talk a bit about, you know, why, you know, you've, you've mentioned it a little bit, um, but kind of why you've chosen to, to kind of focus on art, why you've chosen to like center, center this specific exhibit around art, around resistance, and what either the, the, the natural connection is between art and resistance, between art resistance and community, um, uh, and, and, kind of, and, and kind of what inspiration can be driven by movement from art. And, and, and how and how that connects and, and the and the intersectionality of it. Thank you. Um, I have been making banners for protests since I was a teenager. I think the first type of art that I ever really was proud of that I finished was um, a huge banner that was uh, part of a walkout in 1994, 95, um, that was advocating for ethnic studies in response to Proposition 187's call to, I think the plan at that point was to eliminate all folks that didn't have documentation from the public school system. So that was an actual part of the legislature that they proposed wow. and passed. It was eventually ruled unconstitutional and they didn't go forward with it, but that was held up in court until like 97 or later. Um, so I think when they were first saying, okay, well, let's take all of the kids who don't have citizenship out of the schools. Those of us, I have citizenship. I was born here. Those of us who were sitting there like reading this stuff was like, whoa, uh, what's going to happen to the school if all the students who don't have citizenship are kicked out? Where are they going to go? What's going to happen to our community if half of the school leaves? What's going to happen to the industry here if half the kids don't get educated? Like this is a stupid idea. Um, but I re we realized uh, through a lot of workshops and, 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 and people teaching us that um, it wasn't for nothing. It was really, it was an attempt by Pete Wilson, who was the governor at the time, to try to become president. And he wanted to appear tough on immigrants and tough on crime. So he really was trying to throw people under the bus for his own political career. And I think by seeing that, it made us be like, oh, we got to do something. So I remember staying up all night to finish this banner. And then the banner being on the front page of the newspaper because people were holding it up with, I stole PVC pipe from my dad's garage and like, you know, like uh, rigged it so that it was up above the crowd. And so that that image was all over the news the next day. And I was like, wow, you know, with a little bit of effort, we can uh, we can not only be a group of people walking down the street, but we can be a force that are all saying something in unison. And so after that, I, I continued to make bandanas for a lot of the protests or marches. I think I've printed at least 5,000 or more bandanas for anti-war actions, um, you know, anti-eviction protests. Um, tons of different environmental issues. And uh, I think that by silk screening an image and, and having people be able to wear the image, then we're not just standing in unison, but we're all of standing as a visual force saying mm -hmm. the same mm -hmm. thing. Um, so I've, I've joined a collective called Trust Your Struggle. If you guys want to follow us on Instagram, we're Trust Your Struggle Collective. And um, we also have a website, trustyourstruggle.org. And I think this is a, a grouping of people that have all chosen to be visual translators and uh, are muralists and activists uh, that have um, used art as a tool for 
communication, you know, like not everybody wants to read a whole article about what happened with, um, with um, you know, a victim of police violence. But when they see us painting their face and uh, portraying what happened, then they want to ask, okay, what happened? And, and, and we kind of feel like we've been humanizing some of the folks that um, otherwise the media kind of try to attack and destroy their character. So I think Straight that on. art has been uh, one of the ways that we've been able to tell the counter narrative um, and kind of rebel back against some of the capitalist forces that are mm-hmm. teaching us that we're only productive for what money we create. Um, but I think trying to say that you know we as humans have the innate desire to tell our stories and talk about who we are and portray what's going on. And so art has been one of the, of the formats that I feel like has been um, effective in communicating information to folks. Like they say, you know, a picture tells a thousand words. Well, I think that by being a part of painting murals, people um, not only are telling people all the words, but are, you know, processing them and feeling like we're doing something. Uh, I was able to curate the mural on 24th and Cap uh, in 2001 and 2007 through HOMI. HOMI's organizing the mission to empower youth. It's still a youth organization that's working here, and I was there for eight years. And I got to curate the um, Building Bridges of Solidarity mural. And there were over 200 volunteers that helped to paint that mural. So not only was it, you know, a huge effort to get young Mm -hmm. people to come up with a design and get the funding and get the, all the logistics to, you know, make it happen. But it, it also was a big effort of getting local folks to come out and participate in the actual painting of that mural. There were four-year-olds up to grandmas that helped put their hands and their energy on that wall. Yeah, it's an entire community it's process. An entire, yeah, and we've, you know, we fed everybody. There was like cholo homeboys there barbecuing, <laughs> passing out burgers to everybody. Lowriders parked up and down the parking lot playing music and just really engaging. And so I think that was... Um, one of the ways that I saw art used in this neighborhood as a very positive force, I think at that time the, the gang injunction was being passed and Dennis Herrera had it out for us and was really trying to like kick people off of 24th Street. Um, definitely in the, in the long run I see that as a force of gentrification, but at the time I think people were just feeling like, oh well the, the cops are just making it hella hot and they just don't want anybody on the street and they're just trying to get everybody off the street. Uh, so he kind of prefaced them building a fence around 24th and Cap as something that was going to like address issues of violence. And so we had to show up and be like, nah, bro, all you media that are here to listen to that fool is not actually telling the truth right now. What is the truth is if you want to invest in preventing violence, you have to give jobs to young people. Like you have to give services Mm -hmm. to young people. Like that little rinkety fence does not do anything except for protect the cars. But, um, you know, they were kind of marketing it as, oh, we're investing money in the mission to stop gang violence mm-hmm. on this intersection because there's been so much. And in fact, what we did was we took a little bit of money from the Art Commission and did that work of getting young people from both sides of a gang conflict to work together, to paint together, to learn how to screen print together, to work on cars together, to go camping together. And at the end of, you know, some of them engaging in Homie's program, they saw each other as human beings rather than as enemies. So I think that that work has been... It's not finished. It's definitely not finished because you can see that the, the conflicts are still going on in certain ways. Um, young people are still being killed for senseless, you know, things, streets that they don't own. Um, but I think that the, the intention of that project was to reach out to a bunch of them and, and show them a way that they can uh, make the, the block proud of them. You know, they, they really did want 
to like love that block. Mm -hmm. And so many ways they're, they have it tattooed on them and they're down to sacrifice their lives for it. But we were asking them, look, you know, we don't want you to sacrifice your life. We want you to live, you yeah. know, and we want you to like improve it while you're here. So, mm -hmm. um, so a lot of them yeah. brought their grandmas and their little and they, brothers yeah, out. Yeah, definitely, you know, express that love for the block yeah. in many different ways, right? You don't have to be so aggro all the time, mm -hmm. right? Like you can paint a mural on your block and celebrate that. Yeah, and then represent the culture, represent the people. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, that mural has pretty much been respected f wow. uh, for all these years, though. Um, I'm pretty proud of that one, and we've done a ton of mural tours. Uh, we've done tons of classroom projects, and classes have taken field trips to come see it. Uh, some of the young people who worked on it now have their uh, master's degrees or BAs in ethnic studies or uh, are nursing students or are working in clinics and some of them are actual professional artists as well so i feel pretty happy about um them being able to be docents and stand in front of that mural and explain to groups of uh, college kids or teenagers why we painted these images and what they represent and then continue to to create more art and use muralism as a tool yeah sorry there was it's it's there's a lot yeah. you know I, I you know i definitely appreciate a lot of you know talking about it's because it's it's not just art being used in resistance it's art being used to build community it's art being used to resist capitalism right not you know and 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 what like what we feel that that, that we've become as human beings under capitalism right and like and like understanding that art is actually a way that we can that we can unlearn the damaging false narrative of humanity that's been, that that's been forced upon us and then actually relearn or remember that 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 we actually you know like have more intrinsic and deeper worth um if in, you know uh for each other you know nancy i want you know I, I want to go back a little bit and talk a bit about some of the direct action and civil disobedience work you've done um you know i, I, I was kind of hoping you can you, you 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 can you can speak a bit on the role of civil disobedience in movement work what that means um why it's necessary to to be a wrench in the system um uh if you if you, if you can uh, talk up talk a bit about about that i like to win do you guys like to win i like to win i like to win on behalf of the people um i i don't think that i think there's this kind of idea of like people as protesters as being like always angry about things and and in my experience i feel like there's i i have hella love for so many people and so many things that it motivates me to want to defend the planet uh it motivates me to want to defend uh public housing and affordable housing it motivates me to want to defend public education and it makes me want to smash prisons um it also makes me you know makes my blood boil when young people are killed by sfpd with no repercussions so i think that um I've seen a lot of different types of protests and I've been a part of lots of different types. Like this Saturday, there was a huge showing against the war and it was beautiful to see thousands of people in the streets on Saturday against the war. Um, but I also feel like we can march on Saturdays until we are completely exhausted and that will not stop the war. I, I think that there's a tactic of using mass mobilizations to gather community and to build momentum. I think it's um, it's very worth it to learn how to mobilize and march in the streets with your people. It's dope to learn chants. It's dope to make up new chants. It's dope to be on beat and keep it moving like it's a parade or a carnaval. Mm -hmm. But if it's only on a Saturday, it's not enough. It is then it is only it, then it is just like a carnaval, like a parade. 
Um, so I think that that's a step. But if that's the only tool we have in our toolbox, we're not going to win. And I think that because there have been so many tools used before us, that uh, we have all the tools in the toolbox that are necessary to completely change everything that we see in front of us that we don't like. Anything that we cannot stand, anything that aggravates us to the point where we just cannot allow it to continue, then we, you know, we have all the tools in front of us to stop those things from happening. And people feel frustrated because of homelessness and they feel frustrated because we feel you know, sad for people who are out there. Uh, but I think there's this kind of like, walking past it and ignoring it that's become complacency here right now. And if, it, if our blood stops boiling when we see things that are wrong, it's because we are uh, allowing it to happen. Um, and so I would say that, you know, for the places that I've seen us win, um, we have to take those tactics of when we have one and we have to apply that to situations like uh, getting affordable housing, preventing evictions, um, helping you know, improve the school system, stopping more jails from being built and getting kids out of cages. All those things like need to be stopped right now. And we have everything in front of us to be able to stop them. So I would like to highlight some of the actions that I've been a part of where I felt like we've won. Uh, we're using art and photography to show images at this gallery show, but we're also doing a few workshops. So there will be hands-on workshops where you can learn how to sew a banner uh, in the same way that we used for the resist banner above the White House. Is it going to be in the same exhibit mm -hmm. at Mission Cultural Center? Yep. Dope. So if folks are interested, they can check out the Mission Cultural Center's webpage and uh, Facebook page for more information. And um, there's also going to be a training on uh, civil disobedience that will happen inside the gallery space uh, in the month of February. So if folks are interested in that, they can follow me on Twitter or on Instagram at are you Nancy the training? Uh, I will be there. Dope. I'm going. <laughs> Dope. Because I think there's lots of tactics that we can use on top of um, just, you know, whenever people say, oh, I don't like this thing, folks will respond immediately by saying, oh, well, then you should vote. And like, yes, I do think everybody should vote, you know, of course. But that's not enough. Like just voting people in does not hold them accountable. There also has to be tactics of, um, you know, pressuring them once they are elected and also tactics of just shutting things down when things get too out of pocket. Like when, you know, the president who's uh, in office right now without the majority of the votes chooses to go to war with another country. I think that would be an example of a time when there should be a strike, a national strike, or some sort of a like stoppage. And we've seen that happen. We've seen uh, the power that we have as the Bay Area. You know, like we hold the third largest port of this entire country right here. And so if we were to decide to say no to something, then then no, right? I mean, when we've seen that happen over and over again, I remember being like 11 years old when Roots Against War uh, stepped onto the Bay Bridge and shut it down. I remember being in elementary school when folks stopped a shipment of nuclear weapons from the Concord Naval Weapons Station with their bodies. So I feel like there's tons of examples in history of ways that people have used civil disobedience to either push for something that we need or stop something that we don't. Um, one quick example that I, we're going to talk about at the workshop is, uh, you know, we had a groundbreaking at Folsom and 17th and the mayor and the supervisors and all the politicians came to hold the shovels uh, and talk about, you know, we're going to build affordable housing here. And, that, and, and I was very proud to be there and pick up a shovel and move some dirt. But I also know that, like, we almost got arrested that day that we first did an action in that parking lot to assert that that should be public space, not 
um, leased to a private company to have a parking lot. And uh, so at that time, it was like us against the cops, and then it was us against the mayor, and it was up, us up against the supervisor saying and demanding that there be public housing and a park put in that space because the mission had the largest number of children but the least amount of green space of all the neighborhoods. And so mm. now, we, as, as we've won, you know, the, the narrative has been, oh, the mayor wanted to give all this money. Um, you know, in this current mayor, maybe she wants to help in that. And I want her to continue to help in that. But I also feel like it's really important for us as a community to remember that uh, it took a group of uh, young folks and activists who said, okay, these are the 17 plots that are open and we're going after these three right now. And we're going to get them and we're going to stop the city from continuing to lease to private companies to have parking lots when we know that climate change is affected by the amount of green space in our communities and we need more green space in order to counterbalance all of the concrete and buildings that have been put all over the city so, decades of environmental racism mm -hmm. redlining all that yeah. yeah so i think just understanding that there is a creek underneath Folsom street and there's a creek underneath the mission and we need to um, open up spaces so that the creek can be uh can can get water through the aquifer and that the green spaces can be used for public good um, rather than just being, you know, parking lots that make money for smaller companies or, or companies that, you know, are just going to profit from the amount of cars that are parked there. So I, I think it's important for us to understand that, like, when we do make wins, we have to claim them because then we understand that those tactics did work and then we can continue to use those tactics, I think. So I would love to invite folks to come to Mission Cultural Center and check out the exhibit and also some of the workshops where we will be highlighting different tactics of uh, organizing and activism. One last question on the civil disobedience. So... You like that stuff, huh? I yeah. do. I do, I do. <laughs> um, so not everyone is happy about having a freeway blocked or having the street shut down. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of folks who feel as if um, their convenience getting, uh, um, getting blocked uh, is, 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 is not worth it in order to bring social justice to millions of people. Um, you and what all you my mentions on Twitter sometimes <laughs> will say that same exact thing. But you know um, what? Um, convenience, yeah, like what do you say to convenience does not Convenience does not benefit the planet. No. Convenience does not benefit the community. Um, so I would say that uh, in direct action, uh, I've tried to specifically aim at targets that do not inconvenience the public, but that show the public that a certain company or a certain corporation or a certain politician are responsible for something. So um, I would say that the majority of times when I have taken arrests or um, risked arrests have been in defense of the planet, in defense of the air and of the water. So if we look at the St. John's Bridge protest where we repelled off of the side of the bridge uh, and stopped the shell tanker. This was in for, Portland. Yes, this was in Portland. So in Portland, hanging off of the bridge with kayaks. So there was the kayak activists on the bottom that held this a line. This was an amazing scene. Yeah. I was watching it live from my office down when, when I was working at Dolores Street. At the time, it was the most there, viewed. <laughs> it was the most viewed action in real time. 
at that time. Yeah. So uh, we used Periscope and we had your live Twitter, stream on it too. That was ridiculous. Nancy was live streaming from there. We were seeing the entire thing on the news unfold. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And I think that uh, in that example, we did not block pedestrian traffic and we did not block um, <laughs> street. We didn't block car traffic. So the cars and the individuals were moving. Even the boats that came through that were not the shell boats, people we would re- people would repel up towards uh, or would climb up towards the bridge to allow other ships to move under the bridge so when the shell ship would come towards us folks would repel all the way down towards the water and block that individual tanker so what that tanker was blocking was a whole fleet of ships that were waiting in the water to get to the arctic so by blocking that one ship it was kind of like blocking the entire crew of ships that Shell was using to explore in uh, in the Arctic for oil, and they only had a limited amount of time where the the ice was melted enough. So the longer we delayed them, the less likely it was that they would be able to find what they were looking for within the limited amount of time that they had in their permit. And so with all the attention that we caused from doing that action, um, people were hitting up Obama, telling him to not renew their permit. So when they got to the Arctic and they tried to explore, their response to you know the government was, well, we didn't find anything yet, but we know it's out here. Can we get an extension on this permit? And Obama said no, because of the overwhelming international pressure against drilling in the Arctic. So right now it is not legal for anyone to drill in the Arctic and I intend to preserve that law and keep it like that and uh, that is a definitely a by any means necessary situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to want to thank you for putting your body and soul on the line so many times um, and for also teaching you know youth and you know non-youth folks a lot of folks you know how to do that and to and the importance of doing that um, and really you know like the hard skills right like there's a lot of folks who talk about putting their body on the line, but can you climb up a bridge? Can you propel? Can you climb up these ladders and these poles? Right, that's difficult, right? And, and, and you know, and, and, it's not and, really that difficult. Everybody can learn it. It's accessible. Can learn it. Anybody can do it. It's accessible. Anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. All right, you heard it here. Um, we did actually. We did a training if, if with this squad of people. Nancy will, that went in front of the um, PG&E building recently, the Mm -hmm. folks that are disabled activists that all worked together to host an action in front of PG&E. And I was so proud and so impressed that some of them who have prosthetic legs or who are in wheelchairs created an actual civil disobedience blockade where they used their disability as their ability. Mm -hmm. And so it really showed that like, you know, one person in a wheelchair is worth about five or six people locking arms together. Mm. And um, so I think uh, direct action is something that anyone can participate in. And for folks that are like, oh, well, I have a baby, so I can't do this. Well, okay, well, let's do something that's kid friendly so that the baby can be there because honestly, the baby's really cute and is gonna get more pictures. Uh, and, <laughs> and you can't, you know, it's we hard to argue with the grandmas, you know, you we can't argue with the grandmas, strategy. so. This is true, so. this is true. <laughs> um, uh, kinda wanna, and on the last topic, Super Bowl is coming up. The Niners are in it. Um, I saw that you were out at Candlestick um, recently, uh, the day of the NFC Championship. Um, you were there with some other folks for, for the, with your nieces um, for a very specific uh, reason. Um, can you tell us a bit why you were there, what, what y'all were doing, um, and how you plan to spend uh, Super Bowl Sunday? 
watch what you post on Instagram. Oh my God. Um, so I, my dad used to always take us to uh, the parking lot at games and kick it in the parking lot, or he would let us drive his car and would practice driving in the parking lot. So I, I feel like candlestick uh, has always been like a part of San Francisco and of public space in San Francisco. And um, a lot of us have had a ton of memories in that space and in the parking lot. More, I guess mostly, I couldn't afford to go all the time, so a lot of times it would just be in the parking lot. But, um, but that collective space was really valuable to me. And um, I want my nieces to know that, you know, the people paid for that space. Like, I, since I've turned 18 till now, I've paid taxes in this city and... Um, we as taxpayers are the ones who maintained that stadium and paid for the grounds to be kept and took care of that space. And so when um, Ed Lee was the mayor, he, I think, made a huge mistake. And uh, after the Niners left, he chose to give that space for almost nothing to Lennar. And Lennar, if anybody has a time has time to Google them, you should. Google Lennar. Look them up. Look up their track record. Look who who they have screwed over. Look what neighborhoods they have polluted. Look how they've been sued. They have they owe Bayview. Bayview doesn't owe them. They owe the people. They gave us breast cancer at a higher rate in Bayview than many other places on the planet. So I think that, you know, for the mayor to give public space away to a private developer who already has a horrible track record and who already has created an environmental catastrophe in that neighborhood, it is so stupid for us to just allow that to happen and move on with cheering on this team that has shown that they don't care about San Francisco and they don't care about the issues of San Francisco. As soon as Mario Woods was killed on 3rd and Gilman, which is a few blocks from that stadium, we all reached out to all the players that we could find on the internet and asked all them to say something that this kid got killed for like, it seemed like a like um, one of those shooting assassinations like when you're execution. in the ex it, well, it was definitely was an execution but it, you know when there's like the line of people that like just open fire on somebody like a firing squad firing squad that's what it looked like you know because we all watched the video and um, so when Mario Woods was executed uh, we asked all these different art players and famous people and musicians like, hey, can you guys you know, say something about how this is wrong? Say something about how people in San Francisco are hurt right now? Everybody was traumatized. Like all of our students in my class saw that video and they were all like, everybody was stressed out. And like, we collectively witnessed somebody be murdered. You know, it was like a public lynching because we all saw that video. And after a public lynching, everybody's traumatized. And instead of those players saying yeah this is something that sh you know uh shouldn't happen a lot of them didn't say anything and then when kaepernick um and eric reed and a few other folks you know stepped up to say something even like you know kobe wore a I can't breathe t-shirt to one of his games i think that you know folks were beginning to use their platforms as um athletes to say something about what the people on the streets of the community that are all repping these niners um, gear colors are, are saying, you know, when, when Alex Nieto was killed, he was wearing a Niners jacket. And I think that 
you know, we have all this love for these teams, but then when we ask these teams to stand up for us in any way, whether it's, you know, say something about how there's no affordable housing at Candlestick, say something about what's happened to the community in Bayview now that people have lost the income that they used to get from, uh, you know, vending stuff outside or selling merch. Like, say something about the pollution that was left there by Lennar or by the shipyard or... Talk about how the Navy has allowed people to build, allowed Lennar to build on top of land that they don't even have proof is clean. Like there, there's like seven lawsuits right now against Tetra Tech for what they've done to Bayview. Um, and, and if you, Tetra Tech is the company that was given the contract to clean up the soil and then falsified the data. And so, you know, we're all standing on soil that is toxic and, um, it, you know, it kind of hurts my soul to think that, you know, we can't let our kids play in the water at Candlestick, but we can't. We can't. The water's, you know, water's toxic. We can't let them play in the water there. And uh, although I want to create a relationship with my nieces in nature, I have to tell them, like, you can't touch the water here. And that's because of the U.S. military. That's because of them testing on animals and then throwing the bodies of the animals into the dirt. And so we cannot allow testing on animals. We cannot allow animals to be left in cages. Like when we're fighting for our own liberation, we have to be fighting for the liberation of animals as well. And I know that that's not like, that's not like hood approved. Like a lot of people do not approve of that, but like no. I'm, 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 I'm on the same, I'm on the same wavelength as the move organization in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Please don't blow up my house. But um, actually I got evicted anyway, so. They already took my house. <laughs> uh, and I think that that, uh, that ideology is that if, uh, if we allow animals to be caged, then we allow each other to be caged. And right now, a lot of us, you know, a lot of our people are in cages. And um, I want my nieces to know that, like, we have a responsibility to get people out of cages. We have a responsibility to get animals out of cages. And we have a responsibility to protect the environment. And so I think that's what... I've been taught that my DNA is on this planet for. And so when I stand on candlestick, I think of my dad, I think of my family, I think of all the homies that I've kicked it with and partied with there. And I also have a lot of hopes for there to be some sort of viable future for that space. If you go to candlestick right now, you'll see a ton of motorhomes. You'll see a ton of cars with people living in it. You'll see a school. You'll see, you know, some new uh, houses. You'll see people, um, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's folks out there. And you'll see people who are rocking Niners gear from back in the day, uh, you know? Like, so it's not that people don't love the team. People do love the team. But I am very critical of the way that the team has made hella money and has done nothing for the people of Bayview. And they left us for Santa Clara. Well, I think, you know, capitalism is its a disease and people will do anything for money. But I've heard a lot of people say that the Niners were really successful when they had a really tiny locker room because they had to work together. Hmm. Yeah, I definitely want to big up, you know, everything from the steak, the importance of it to you know, the need for athletes, especially with stadiums and coming from, you know, similar communities, um, using the platform that they have, uh, big up all of that, you know, it also want to big up the animal liberation front stuff you were talking about. Um, th this may come off as a little stereotypical, but you know, as a vegan, I definitely vibe for that with that. 
um, a lot. Uh, so definitely want to big up all that and all the work. Um, another last reminder, my homies are my heroes. Art exhibit by Nancy Pili Hernandez. There will be vegan food. There will be vegan food uh, in celebration of her 40th revolution around the sun. We will be showcasing resistance around ethnic studies, youth services, cultural preservation, green spaces, everything. She's worked on everything. Uh, Mission Cultural Center right here in the neighborhood, Mission Street between 24th and 25th. Reception, Saturday, February 8th. Come celebrate her birthday with us. Um, and the exhibit is on from that date until the 28th of February, till the end, until the end of the month. Um, and there will also be civil disobedience trainings, workshops. Definitely, please, please, please do what you can to attend. Uh, another friendly reminder, San Francisco Influx podcast can be found on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, and Spotify. Uh, Nancy, uh, we, we want to give you a shout out on Instagram at Nancy Peely, N-A-N-C-Y-P-I-L-I. Nancy Peely on Instagram, hit her up, make, make sure you follow her, um, follow Mission Housing at Mission Housing on Instagram, um, selfless plug, follow me at Bats415, B-A-T-T-Z 415 on Instagram and Trust Your Struggle Collective at Trust Your Struggle Collective. Um, follow everybody, yo, like straight up, like, you know, you don't got to follow me if you don't want to, I won't, I won't get offended, but you got to follow Nancy. You got to follow trust your struggle collective. Trust me. I'll follow them. Um, uh, and yeah, thank you so much for being on Nancy. Steph is still in the house with the film. Um, thank you so much. Thank you for being on San Francisco in flux. Thank you guys for creating media for the people. And I hope that, um, all of us take whatever energy we have and create with it. <laughs>